everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment. I'm one of your hosts for this evening, Mad Mel, and we have my good friend, Maddie. Maddie, how you doing, honey? Maddie is doing good. How you doing over there? I'm doing fantastic, and tonight we have our good friend and our guest for this evening, Anthony Thurber. Awesome. Anthony, how are you? Hello. Returning champion, Anthony Thurber. <laughs> He's managed to make it through one hour with us. Now he's going to make it through another hour. So, you know, it might be safe to say he can deal with us. He's got it. I've got it. Anthony Thurber is a god, a legend amongst men. (laughs) So, on on today's episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie and our guest, Anthony Thurber. We're going to be discussing some of our guiltiest pleasures of the of the horror world, I guess you can say. Some of the some horror movies and uh, scary movies and such that we were we're we're a little, little guilty to say gives us pleasure. You know what I mean? You guys, yeah. you do you guys get a lot of those guilty pleasures over there? Oh yes, yeah. Now, before we stop this, I will not be talking about Glenn's Danzig's Veronica. Oh, no. Was it bad news? Oh, it's very bad. (laughs) I literally went on a 10-minute rant on that film on a podcast episode because it was so bad. (laughs) Yeah, I've yet to see it. I feel like it's something that once it comes out on Blu-ray, it'll be overpriced. It'll be one of those deals. It's already out on Blu-ray. Oh, horrifying. How much was it? Like forty bucks? Uh, it was I think twenty-five, around twenty to twenty-five. That's too much. Way more than it needs to be. Does it come with the soundtrack? Yeah, it comes with the soundtrack too. I like the sound of that, at least. Yeah, I um, I enjoy what I've heard. What I've heard of Danzig, I enjoy. I'm not a super fan. I know people that have been super fans. Uh, I never quite understood the super fandom. To it, um, but yeah, it's like a gothic melodic. I think that's why it's so there's such a super fandom, the gothic part of it. But uh, music's not that bad. Um, but I guess the movie is dog shit. So we're gonna keep that away from our guiltiest of pleasures, and it didn't make my list. So, amen, amen. Um, we will, uh, you want to just hop right into it? Anthony, what's, uh, what's the first movie on your list that's a guilty pleasure? The first movie uh, that I would uh, put on the list definitely is a film called Shocking Doc. It's an Italian sci-fi horror film. Hmm. I'm going to give you a guess to what this film was originally called in Italy. The killer doctor. Hey, get this? The killer doctor. No. La killer doctor. No. You're not gonna believe it. What'd you say, Mel? The dentist. The dentist. No. You're not gonna believe the title. All right. Hit me with it. Terminator Two. Oh, I've heard of this. That's funny. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, that was hilarious. Like, what the hell? Is it a fun watch? This, this film... It's not Arnold. 
No Arnold. No Arnold. He was busy Arnold, making that hybrid. He was busy making that that love child. He could have made a movie. <laughs> so much so that when seven films released on Blu-ray, they got a cease and desist order. Oh, really? <laughs> Not surprisingly. I like Severin films. <laughs> I always recommend their, their Santa Sangria Blu-ray they put out. It's a great set. Uh, our, our friend Sabrina Dennison does a nice interview in there. She plays Alma in the film. So you like, but do you like the film itself? It's so bad it's good. It's one of those so bad it's good. I thought you didn't like it at all for a second, I was going to say. No, it's so bad it's good type of deal. I like that. I support that. This film has no coherent story. It's pretty much Aliens and Terminator wrapped into one film. Nice. The acting is horrible. And wait for it. Wait for it. A time machine appears from out of nowhere at the very, to save the main characters at the very last second. And that's a spoiler, <laughs> by the way. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, man. Spoiler alert. That's a crazy, that is such a crazy film. It's like, <laughs> it's just, one of those films where you just sit there and you can't help but watch yeah. time and time again. You know, we should do a category where we talk about, like, cheesy action movies, like Guilty Pleasure action movies. Um, you know, anybody ever see... Oh, Star- I've, got, I've got a couple of those. There's a lot of those bad boys. You ever see a movie called Stone Cold? I've heard about it. Uh, the ultimate '90s action guy movie. There ever, if there ever was one, it's just it's madness. You got Super Bowl, uh, su- uh, football, uh, boss, the boss, the boss. You got the superstar, the boss. You got you know tr- two inc- incredibly awesome performances from Lance Henriksen and William Forsyth as um, these two like biker heavies that are. Uh, you know, some of, some of, you know, Forsyth is just gangsta in his appearance, and he's he's very, p- playing that don't fuck with me type role, and he plays that great. Um, and then Lance Henderson was just like crazy, um, squirrely eyed, like the guy who leads the biker gang, and it's ultra violent and just like absurd and off the wall bananas. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of good times. Love it. Love it. It's like the same plot as another f- f- guilty pleasure action movie I have called Beyond the Law with Charlie Sheen. Both guilty pleasure films, both same exact plot. Um, so, Mel, do you want to go up with your 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 first guilty pleasure film? First? My first guilty pleasure film? I'm not even going to lie. I've loved this movie since I was a kid, but Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Of course. Beautiful movie. Beautiful movie. <laughs> it's so. It's another one. It's just you. It's the worst movie ever. You can see the 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 strings on the tomatoes as they're rolling across the ground. But it's still. It's so much fun. 
because it's so stupid. Yeah. And it also has that theme song that can stick in your head. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's something about that. I'm looking at the VHS of it right now from across the way. VHS that I, I actually purchased... I was driving my uh, with my uncle. He was moving to Florida, and we drove, stopped off somewhere in the middle, at a gas station. I seen the the good old Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. I grabbed it. I got a nice story from my VHS. But it's fun. Even the second one's real fun. And the, in the the third one, and there might even be a fourth one, were were fun too. They slip into when you got a movie that's a, such a guilty pleasure, and then but like they, they they're like bad movies, but they work. And then there's usually sequels that are they're bad movies that don't work. So, like... But they're, like, still fun to watch. So, like, it's this bizarro world of, of like, cheesy bad movie where it, like... Re- it's it's dead. It dies so many times it has to return to life. So, like, there's the flip and the flop to it. So you got the good and the bad, you see. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's all mixed yep. in. And the interesting thing about the film's sequel, Return of the Killer Tomatoes... George? It stars George Clooney. Hell yeah. George Clooney was the man back in his... He, some people would still say he's the man, but I remember in his younger days, when I remember seeing him, on, you know, in a ta- uh, part two, um, I remember him, of course, for, you know, ER. I remember him being on Roseanne. Um and if anybody recalls a little a little movie called From Dust Till Dawn, that was in like the mid '90s, Quentin Tarantino penned Robert Rodriguez directed film. Um, great film, great film. Um, George Clooney was the epitome of cool when that movie came out. When he had that big fucking arm tattoo, which is badass, with his brother Quentin QT. QT, who looks like Frankenstein when he changes, he's the only dude that gets bit by a vampire and turns into Frankenstein. Um, great movie, love it. Absolutely fantastic. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, George Clooney in that was, was the epitome of cool. Super cool. Uh, George Clooney is a cool cat. I don't know what he's doing now, but... And last time I remember seeing Clooney, he was doing that uh, Coen Brothers movie where, with like the, where he was dressed up as a gladiator. Oh, oh, Hail Caesar, which oh, actually... Yeah. And I, that ain't that bad of a movie, you know what I mean? Coen Brothers, usually, they don't miss that often. They do, but they don't miss that often. Um, and I thought that that was uh, a little better than I thought it was going to be, which is good. Um... I got a I got a film for the list. This film is this this film also stars Lance Henriksen from Stone Cold, and that film is Man's Best Friend. Are you guys familiar with this film? I've heard about it, but never seen it. No. It's been a long time since I've seen it. Man's Best Friend is like. When I talk about those mid-90s horror movies, like, there wasn't a lot of good ones, but when you stumble into one that's either good because you love it or good because it's good, you stumble into a situation like Man's Best Friend, you see. And I'm a big fan. The, the, the director of it passed away a couple weeks ago, rest in peace. Um, I'm very disrespectful. I didn't write down his name. I'm sorry. Um, but... Um, yeah. yeah, there you go. 
You smoked me out. You killed me on that. You just <laughs> oozied me down. Um, but once the girl comes through with an answer. There you go. At least, <laughs> at least somebody had the answer. But, um... I, I you know, man's best friends. It's it's about a. Uh, I think Ali Sheedy goes in and tries to, and they go into this like this facility where they're testing dogs with um. I think it's makeup or something like that, and um. They 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 free them, and the, one of the dogs stays with her, and it turns out that it's not like they weren't testing makeup on them. They they were like robot dogs um, as weapons. So like she brings him home and he, he kind of malfunctions. So now you have it's pretty much making it like a mechanical Cujo. That's the best way to kind of describe it. But it's fun and the trailer has who's that doggy in the window, which was like I'm a I'm a I'm a sucker for like those old songs that they use in a in a, in a twisted way for like a horror movie, and um, I popped for that big time. Big applause. Ah. Like Stone Cold coming through the curtain. That's how big the pop was on that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I love it. I, I, so I had to put Man's Best Friend down. Anthony, we're coming back to you, buddy. <laughs> Next film is a film where it's a tale of two films wrapped into one film. Ooh. Two for one. It, yeah, it is. Not by choice. Okay. And the film is called Spookies. Ah ha ha! It might be more than two movies. Yeah. Now this is a film that uh, was pretty much destroyed in the editing room. The producer of the film wanted to change everything because originally the film was supposed to be a supernatural film, but the producer of the film wanted to be a zombie movie so he pretty much fired everybody who the produce director producer of the film hmm. I mean executive producer sorry <laughs> and then the cast wouldn't come back neither to make this film so they had to come up with another story and try to blend two stories into one you don't see any of the characters from the original version in integrate with the two new characters that were created after the fallout. Yeah. Definitely such a mess. The zombies hardly do anything in this film. It is one of those films where you don't even see the characters interact with the film's main villain. Yeah. That is how bad this film is. But it's, like I said again, one of those films where you cannot help but liking it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with that. Mel. So, my next favorite oh. is uh, Evil with Kane. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't That's know how... The... Have you seen that one yet? What the... Which one? Uh, See No Evil with Kane. 
Um, the first one? I, I yeah, seen, well, I mean, I like them both, but the first one was the better of the two. Yeah, I've seen the first one. I liked it. I, I didn't think it was that bad. It was one of those later horror movies that um, weren't, like, weren't, weren't bad. Like, like... Yeah, it, I like... I liked how he was, like, able to get in and out of that hotel into, like, all the rooms and everything and, you know, moving, like, in ninja mode as big as he is, you know, seeing him killing everybody was, like, I don't know, it's like a thrill type thing for me <laughs> because he's so big. It's like, how do you not see this dude coming at you? Wasn't the, the plot to it was, like... He like there's they, a group of a group of delinquents are sent to clean a hotel and then an there's a psychopath who is Kane's character. Um, the character's name is Jacob Goodnight, and he's chilling out in the <laughs> in the rotting hotel. They capture one of the teens, and then there's a cop involved. He's like one of the sheriffs overseeing all these kids that are there to clean the hotel. Yeah, and at the same token, the cop that they're overlooking it. Um, Jacob had put a bullet in his head four years prior. So, you know, they all band together to try and survive the time that they're at the hotel from Jacob killing them. I remember watching it. Um, I remember certain parts were all right, but wasn't like too crazy. That's just, I mean, that's just, I'm not trying. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, pretty much it's one of those movies. The acting was absolutely atrocious. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a lot of lesser known name actors in this movie. You know, um, I think the biggest name in it was Kane because he, of being a wrestler. And yeah. I mean, it came from the WWE, you know, movie vault anyway, cause from their movie production company. Yeah. But I mean, it could it could have been way worse. I mean, I do it like I said. That's why it's one of my guilty pleasure movies because. As bad as portions of it are, it's still an enjoyable movie. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I agree with you. I yeah, same here. Yeah, it's one of those things. Um, I'll put out to kind of go. Um, did, did any of you see the remake of House on Haunted Hill? Oh yes, I did. the one with like Gregory Rush. Uh, Jeffrey Rush. Yeah, yeah, Jeffrey Rush. There it is. Yeah, I love that film. Okay, good. Uh, I I like that movie too. I I that's a um I, I put that on my guilty pleasures horror movie uh, list. That's back when like the remakes weren't every every week new ones. Uh, kind of in the beginning of the craze of starting to remake things. Um, so you can't give it be too hard on it because it was just a. The infant stage. It was a fun movie. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I yeah. I remember uh, renting it uh, numerous times. Um, very good. You know, there's a kill in um, in the Groundhog. There's a kill that's actually dedicated. Uh, you know, pays homage to um, House on Haunted Hill, where where they 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 uh, when the orderly's getting killed. I think it's in the beginning. And they and they grab the the a fistful of pencils and stab him like in the neck. Yeah, yeah. That there's a death scene in Groundhog where somebody gets a fistful of pens in the neck. And uh, if anybody's listening and has seen Groundhog, that's where that 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 death came from, right from House on Haunted Hill. Classic. 
Catherine Zeta-Jones, I believe, in there as well. Very creepy uh, scenario. Would you, would either of you stay in a haunted house like that for, were they going for a million dollars just the last the night, I think it was? Yeah, as long as I don't end up where they ended up by the end of the movie. Well, there's no sure, sure proof, you know, way of that. No, you very well could end up dead. What do you think? They're going to give you a million dollars for nothing? No, I'm saying I'm not trying to end up on the, on the, on the, like, ledge up on the, like, top of that building. I'm, I'm very, I'm very skeptical that I'd even do it with, with how much, some of those ghosts were intense. Like, just like, um, the 13 Ghost reboot. I remember that, the, the ghosts in that were pretty intense, too. That was during that time. That was a good time. Yeah, I love 13 Ghosts. That's another one of my guilty pleasure movies I actually have on my list, too. Yeah. Anthony, did you get into 13 Ghosts? No, I've never... I may mean, have seen bits and pieces, but that's I th- about it. I, if you like House on Haunted Hill, I think you might dig 13 Ghosts. Uh, it's got the dude from Monk. I forget his name. Tony Shabob. Um, yeah, Bob there, yeah. He's on there. Um... Is Matthew Shane and Elizabeth, I think, I, in it? I think she was. Is Matthew Lillard in it? There's yeah, I think so, too. I think so. There's one of those dudes like that in there. Um, yeah, it's I know it's getting, I know it's getting a re-release from Scream Factory. Yeah, which is interesting, because in conversation, usually I get hard on Scream Factory for releasing some movies of a later date like that. Um, but I, I actually applaud a 13 Ghost re-release. I support that. Yeah, it's a good flick. That's back when, um... Yeah, like, the remakes were good times. Are you gonna say something, Anthony? I was gonna say, I love how they've been doing with their releases lately, going into Warner Brothers and Paramount's vaults for the releases. Yeah, that's the way to do it. I wish Lionsgate would do it. I think Lionsgate's kind of, t- kind of um, stepped away from things like that, and, and they're heading in a different direction. They're gonna. It'll be the Blumhouse movie. They're buying. They're buying up the podcast. Anthony T's horror show. <laughs> Never. It's in the, would you sell, would you sell if somebody came to you and wanted to, wanted to buy Anthony T's? If it's like a million, two million, maybe, but uh, no. I'm gonna write you. Most likely, no. I'm gonna write you a check right now. You, you're good. If I, if I give you two million, I can get that show. Uh no, I don't say that. All right, all right. I would know. think that check would bounce. You, oh, now you're insulting me. You're terrible. <laughs> Awful. Um, but we'll keep it rolling. I always thought he was your friend. Uh, Anthony's, <laughs> Anthony's my boy. You're my friend. <laughs> so did I go? Did I go last? Was I the last person to go? Yeah, the next one. Yep. So Anthony would be up next. Yes, sir. And it would be in probably a late eighties, early nineties direct-to-video film called Ghoul School. Ah, yes, I'm familiar with, but oh, this film is. So... <laughs> It's one of, another of those good movies that is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> this film has an, anno- an annoying 80s 
metal band practicing in a school auditorium. Yeah. That don't look like high school kids. You got basketball practice with like five or six players. And you'll have two people, your main characters wearing t-shirts like I stumped Jackie the Joke Man and another wearing a safe distance from genius watching horror films. And they're watching horror films in the school unnotes to the principal who is in the building. I'd rock both of those shirts. No questions right, asked. Man. No questions asked. Send them to my P.O. and I'll wear them. I can't hate on them, those shirts. Those shirts are uh, good times. I often w- I often will see like a weird shirt in a in like a like a ho- old horror movie and like cr- wish that Somebody and it's a million dollar idea. I'm surprised no one's ever done it. But just go and get all those weird shirts from films and redo them, like the ones that just say like weird, like they did the Stephen King rule shirt. You know what I mean? Like that concept, but like more obscure. Because there was a time when you were you were seeing a lot of you know embroidered or, or shirts that had you know the letters or the words just sewn to it, and they were like you know, made for the movie type deal, you know, I support that, support it, you know, but you like that one, huh? Yeah, that thankfully was only 72 minutes. They couldn't afford <laughs> the extra time. Yeah. There was indie filmmaking. At its best. Back in that day. You figure back in the day, this is what I look at it like this, like when you see those movies that are like guilty pleasures from back in the day, it's because like it was more work to make a film. So the fact that they got it done and finished is a blessing. And the only thing that can get you to that blessing is passion. Um, not even money could get you across that finish line if you didn't know what you're doing um, to make something halfway watchable. And like nowadays, anybody can kind of make a movie, but like back in the day, they had to go, you know, print out the film, then cut it, and everything. You know, it, you know, films, you know, film could burn up, you know, and evaporate because of just what it was made out of, and um, you lose, you'd lose that day or whatever. There's a lot of discouraging moments, I'm sure, that was in it, um, but yeah, so. Just the fact that they made it, even the crazy ones, you gotta go. Well, if if I'm if I'm entertained, if I'm smiling at this movie, they did their job, and uh, you know, their passion made it all happen for them. I try not to get too hard on the bad movies, the ones that try. You know, nowadays you'll see them, and it's like when it's easier to do. I think that there's yeah, you can you can give it that excuse less and less. You know what I mean? Like those early, those older movies, you can say, yeah, well, they really had to go to hell, go through fucking hell, to make this. And uh, I've seen, the, I've seen the 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 war zone of hell on digital film, so I can only imagine what the fucking front lines of of celluloid film hell, you know, of of madness would be. But uh, I always give them a little credit. So, did you want to say anything else about that film, Anthony, before we move into Mel's? That's about it. That's that's all the light it gets. All right, Melissa. 
What's your next guilty, Matthew? What's your next guilty pleasure <laughs> film? House. 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 Yeah. Did the um, ja- Japanese well, or the uh, American? Well, um, the, the American version, the one with um, was it William Cat? William Cat, yeah, yeah. William, that's a good flick. I, yeah, that's a good one. I agree with you. I think that 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 I like. I like. Very I, underrated. Yeah, I think so. It could be a little bigger than it is in the community. You know, part two is good too. I like part two. They recently just put out, I think, Waxwork put out a really, really cool um, part one and part two soundtrack on vinyl. Um, but I agree with you 110%. That's, uh, uh, it's, yeah, you know, it's one of, it's, it doesn't get the respect in the horror community, but it's a good film, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Um, like you said, they're both good films. Yeah. Definitely, definitely don't get the, de- the recognition they deserve. Yeah. Um, Tony, you said you were, you were a fan? You got down with House? Yeah, yeah, the... The first two House films were very good. I've never seen House 3. I've seen House 4. That was okay. Which you gotta give it credit for. House House 3 is actually called The Horror Show. That's, uh, mm-hmm. that's not called House. They There's a Blu-ray of that that I think Shout Factory put out. And House 4, I'm glad that you said that you thought it was okay, because I actually like it. And usually by the time you get to the fourth film, you're not, it's not movies you're liking, you know what I mean, for the most part. Um, yeah, that film got back to the original story. Yeah. the um, And I remember the, there was a part in there where there was like a little, little, little dwarf type dude who they, he has like a fucking trach in his throat. And I remember a scene where they he like puts a tube in his throat and sucks out like fucking phlegm. Is this you 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 remembering this or? It's been a while. All right. Since well, I've seen he, he, yeah, there's a scene in there that that involves a trach and phlegm in a shot glass, and uh, it traumatized me to this day. So I always give house give house four big credit for that gross out effect being so, uh, uh, you know unsettling and uh, packing in and stick it with me for a little bit you know what I mean coming along for the ride so um, I guess I'll go next and I have a film called Dr. Giggles that was like mid 90's horror you know what I mean it was uh, it's like they were trying to make a trying to make a boogeyman type character out of this dude um, Robert, played by Robert Drake, also known for, like, the dark, he was the bad guy in Darkman. Um, Sam Raimi. I think it was Larry Drake, not Robert Drake. Larry Drake, you're right, you got me. What, do you want to whip me now? You want to pull my hair? Jeez, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tony. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dr. Giggles is a good watch. It's probably, I think it's the last thing that, um... The dude, what's his name? Mark from Roseanne, was it Mark? His name was Glenn in real life. Uh, he was on Buffy too, as well, actually. But he died. He was uh, he uh, overdosed, which is sad. Buffy was probably the last thing he did. But yeah, the dentist. I uh, the dentist is another one of those movies. I have that next to it because I always consider Doctor Giggles and the Dentist to be the same type of deal. Even though Doctor Giggles was more of a 
<clears throat> it had a bigger budget. I think Universal made it. Like they were trying to do a New York, New Age Universal monster, and then um, the dentist was lot li- like live or like a early Lionsgate. <clears throat> I forget who exactly did that off the top. Um, you know, it's got Corbin Burns. Burnson. It's got Corbin Burnson in it, and it's a crazy scene of him, uh, him drilling out somebody's teeth, where like the effect is very effective, and it turns this person's teeth into powder, which is always a good laugh. But yeah, Doctor Giggles and the Dentist are put together as uh, guilty pleasure films. Great double feature for anybody out there looking to have some guilty pleasure double feature fun time. Um, but yeah, for sure. Uh, that's mine. So, Anthony, we'll come back to you. Now, this is a film that I dub as the greatest guilty pleasure film of all time. Ooh. Jason X. Wow, that's, yeah, that's in there because it's enjoyable, but it's like definitely cheese fest. Oh, yeah. This had everything that you would want in a guilty pleasure film. Bad dialogue, annoying characters, rush beginning, everything's over the top. It's true. They did bring Kane Hodder back, which was nice. And also David Cronenberg makes a cameo in the film. I miss those David Cronenberg cameos. He's a night breed as well. This was the la- that was the last Kane Hodder played, Jason. Uh, he did it everyone from eight was it seven? Seven to X ten. Then they got rid of him. Yeah. Very sad. I think day. that he also sat on a shelf for a couple of years. I believe, uh, I believe that. I can see that. Because it was so bad. Poor guy. guy. Yeah, I don't think that's the way Kane wanted to go out playing Jason. Well, he didn't. He came back. Kane Hodder's had, as far as horror icons go, he's got probably one of the biggest success stories. You know what I mean? When you think of the icons and how they're doing and stuff, you know... Because you can, you can take a peek and see see how they're all doing and stuff. And, you know, you still see Kane Paul. He's, he's more more relevant than he's ever been. You know what I mean? He's, a big, he's played two of the greatest horror icons of all time. That's true. If you want to go deeper, he's played... I mean, he's played uh, Freddy at one point. I believe he played Leatherface uh, at something. There were smaller parts, but he's played these characters... He was the glove at Jason Goes to Hell. He did that, the Freddy glove. Spoiler alert. Yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Kane's a good man. We're going to get him on the show one of these days. Once the cons start up and everything's nice again. So, Jason X, eh? Yeah. Yeah, you're right, completely. That's a perfect... Here's the funny thing about this film. Yeah. First time I watched it, I turned it off. Nice. Second time I watched it, I started watching it through the end, midway through. Third time, I just watched it entirely. It's like watching a train wreck. 
It grew on you, though, obviously. You kept coming back. Yes, it grew on me. You know? Yeah, Jason, some people... Yeah. Which you can't say for many bad films. It's true. Some people will say that, like, Jason Goes to Hell is a guilty pleasure, but I like it. Would you guys like that one, too? Yeah, Jason Goes to Hell ain't bad. That could have been... That could have been better, but it also could have been a lot worse than it was. Jason Goes to Hell. I've it? never seen that film. You've never seen it? It's worth a watch. I did a, yeah, then uh, I did spo- do a little spoiler for you, unfortunately. But if you like, I know, I, I've seen the ending of it. Are you typically a Friday the 13th fan? Uh, not really. I'm more of a Nightmare on Elm Street fan. Alright, I was going to say, if you like Jason, you should definitely finish it off and see it, for sure. I haven't, so... It's, it's, I enjoy it. It's one of those movies that I think I enjoy because I've seen it at the right time. Like, I remember being a kid, you know, not young, young kid, but I remember being, like, in my, my early teens and, like, that coming out and, like, talking about it in school and, uh, you know, stuff like that and kind of having to... You know, getting getting my eyes on it was a lot more difficult then. So you had to kind of, you know, figure figure out ways of seeing the films. You know, so I think you know, I got a special bond with it for that. But uh, a lot of people don't like it, but I like it. You know, um, Mad Mel. What's your? Did you just did you tell us a guilty pleasure? I um, my next one is. Cabin in the Woods. I see. That's that's. Uh, I go. I, I I can see you. I can see you halfway into the woods on that because I like it. I think it's a good movie, and uh, everybody who's seen it kind of likes it. But I think that certain people won't give it a might give it a chance because it doesn't seem like there's a lot. It definitely. It's definitely like packs a big punch for the package that it's shown in. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't expect it to go that go that far with it, you know. That's actually a great film. I uh has anybody seen Escape Room? Escape Room was really good. Was it good? No. That was one of those movies that looked like uh it like it, it had that depth feel to it that Cabin in the Woods had where like nothing's really reality type deal. Like, there's something weird going on. Like, that you... Like, I remember they were... Go, the escape room, they were going into, like... They were walking into different rooms or something like that, unlocking different rooms, but they were being, like... There's no way that it could realistically be like that. You know what I mean? It was almost like it was some Matrix or something crazy. Which is kind of like... Cabin in the Woods is, like, in a big and elaborate game, right? Being played on them. I think. I haven't watched it in a while. But I'm pretty sure that was a deal. Um, so yeah, Cabin in the Woods, I think that's good times. I think that's a good guilty pleasure. Um, oh my god, yeah. I, I I just love how, like, you know, they're placing bets on who's gonna, you know, be the family that ends up coming back to kill everybody and whatnot. Yeah. Next up on my list is a film called The Langoliers by Stephen King. Oh, the TV miniseries. TV miniseries, my friend. 
Yeah, that was dope. I like that a lot. You know, I I love this one. A lot of people kind of get get down with not liking this one, which was interesting. Um, but I thought this was great. Like every time I get sick, I like to lay in bed and watch this Langoliers. And I used to like I used this is on this was a, something that was on the Sci Fi Channel all the time. You know what I mean? Um, and you know, you got what's his name, uh, Bronson Pinchot, Balky Batakamas himself. Right in that film. Playing a creep. Yeah, playing an ultimate creep. Um, with the, you know... To get to his meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rip, rips, ripping the paper. He's got to rip the paper from meditation. And uh, the Langoliers are like... The effects are super cheesy. You know what I mean? They're super fucking terrible. But... And the, the story's like weird too. It, if for some reason it just works... You know, that's the thing you get with a lot of those Stephen King movies, made-for-TV movies, is, like, um, they're, they're fun, but, like, like, I can see people being turned off by them, but, like, they're fun. And they got their bad ones, you know what I mean? Um, but they got, they got their good ones, too. Like, have you ever seen Rose Red? Yes. Like Rose Red. Rose Red, yeah, is one of the ones that I, I, I see catching shit a lot. Well, I'll catch a lot of shit, but I think that Rose Red is, like, really good. It's really scary. The, like, the ghouls, if you will, in Rose Red, I think, are super fucking scary. Like, those those are super creepy. And that was made for TV. Um, yeah, like, that, that Rose Red's probably one of the last times I remember seeing something on, like, like a creature on screen and being, like, scared by it. Um, but I, yeah, I dig it. You know, you, then you got, what else did Stephen King do that was, you know, TV movie-ish? Um, then you got movies. Um, the Stand? The Stand. I'm not a gigantic fan of The Stand, to tell you the truth. I mean, I respect it, but I'm not a big fan of it. Then you get other movies like, uh, um, Tommy Knockers was, like, a weird movie that I didn't really think hit. Um, dark half. The dark half. That was a f- the film. The film was good. It was you got Romero did the film. See, that's when like you know there was a whole time when you had these respectable horror filmmakers doing horror movies. You had you know Carpenter did Christine for the the, the Stephen King movies. You had Kubrick did The Shining. Um, let me see here. Um, fuck. I mean, everybody just, everybody at one point almost did a Stephen King movie. Let me see. I think Garris did uh, one, too. Mick Garris did a couple. Yeah, he did Sleepwalkers. He did Quicksilver Highway. Um, but uh, I caught myself up because it was a, um, of just like, earlier in today, earlier today I was talking about you know how the, the what horror was in the seventies and eighties. Horror was like kind of better because you'd there was these films that were like that were being made by bigger filmmakers. You know what I mean? Bigger, you know. Uh, and to go back, you know, Carrie was done by Brian De Palma. You know what I mean? Um, like super. I think it's because they had these super talented filmmakers making these these horror movies, so they're adding a little something to it. Um. I want to say Richard Donner did The Omen, I believe, which was, you know, a heavyweight director tackling a horror movie. Of course, it's a classic. 
Yeah, William Friedkin. Yeah. Re- William Friedkin doing The Exorcist. William Friedkin's like a legend. You know, it's just a matter of I think we got all those good horror movies because they were having like really respectable filmmakers make the make make them. You know, but um, next up, I guess would be would go back to Anthony. I think I ran. I feel like I yeah, ranted. Sir. I feel like I just ranted for like twenty minutes. <laughs> next one would be Silent Night, Deadly Night, Pot. This film commits one of the major sins of filmmaking by relying on using footage from the previous film for at least a third of the film. Yeah. But it also has the second greatest one-liner in horror movie history, too. It's garbage day. Hey, there you go. Have you seen Groundhog? Tony, you have, right? Yeah, I've seen Groundhog. Yes. Yeah, we we do homage to Garbage Day in there too. That was a David homage. Where they go, Groundhog Day. The um, very Groundhog influenced episode. We got a big episode. We got a. Well, this won't be out until later. So. Never mind. Yeah. But the film also <laughs> has some over the top kills. Hell yeah. And the whole thing between Ricky and the psychiatrist went nowhere. Yeah. So that's why it's probably one one of my favorite guilty pleasure films. I'm with you. Melissa. Well, I guess I'm going to have to go with Chopping Mall. Chopping Mall. I'm taking it there because, you know, you you, you, you just have, you have to love Kelly Maroney. She's such a fantastic person. True. Um, you know, considering when that movie came out, you know, obviously, it's crazy to see that that is not a big budget deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's still is able to carry on with, like, having a cult following because of the way it was done. Like, it's just a good movie. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> it's another one yeah. of those... Yep. Yes, Anthony. The film has a lot of B-movie B cameos, too, in that. You got Dick Miller, Paul Battelle, Garrett Graham. Yeah. And uh, Mary, I cannot pronounce your last name. I know it begins with W. Okay. She was in, I think, Rock and Roll High School too. Okay. Yeah. Mary, uh, yeah, Lund, I, I think I could be. I apologize if I pronounce it wrong. No worries, man. We're all friends here. You got Barbara Crampton in there too. Oh, Mary, I forgot about her. Warrenov, Mary, Mary, Mary Warrenov. Oh yeah, Bobby Crampton. She was in that film. Yeah, Bobby Crampton. I'm with it. Yeah. I, Angus Scrim was in it too. The King, baby, Angus Scrim, the late great. Rest in peace. That's one of those movies that I think um, doesn't quite 
get the respect that it deserves, almost like House, when we were talking about that earlier. It's one of those more, uh, yeah. you know, underground, underground. Lesser like, known. Yeah, like, if you if you were, like, a, a horror fan on the surface type deal, you might not know about it, but you got to dive deep, dive a little deeper than the norm to get them, you know. It, it goes deep, but in deep, but... Uh, Ron Jeremy in Big Trouble, everybody see that? Yeah. Dong Jeremy kid. Anthony says, I will not talk about this current event subject. <laughs> I don't blame you. It's dark territory. Um, so, am I next? Yep. I'm next. I have, uh, I put down Ernest Scared Stupid. Because I, <laughs> I love that movie. And it is, it is. It's That's Ernest, definitely a cute one. It's, Ern, it's an Ernest horror movie. It is what it is. True. There's parts in that that, if you watch, are a little unsettling for a child's mind. Right up there, probably in my top three Ernest movies. You got the the trilogy of that. Ernest goes to camp and Ernest saves Christmas is like the the unholy trilogy, kid. Very nice, smooth. But, uh, yeah. Um, you got any more, Anthony? Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Oh, well, this is the thing. I agree with you 110%. I don't know why people hate on it so much. A lot of people I talk to don't like Part 2, and I think it's great. I love it. It got worse after that. Like, I think Part 3 is the... Um... I mean, part three isn't that bad, but like yeah, part three is a little tough. But as it, you know, four and five are that's that's like those are really tough. That's like I've never seen four and five because I've heard they're bad. They say if you yeah, they're beyond horrible. Stay away for away from four and five if you want to stay alive. That's what they say. Pretty much those those they're very bad. Those are Sci-Fi Channel made. Those are the ones that were made for the Sci-Fi Channel. The third one's not that bad. I agree with uh, Melissa. I like the third one a lot. Yeah, it's very different, and I think it was directed by Brian Yunza. Yunza, yeah. Who's done some really good films with that and Society? Society is a good flick too. That's kind of an underrated horror classic. I actually just watched Society the other day. Yeah, what'd you think? I love, I, well, I, I, it wasn't my first time seeing it, I, but I love that movie. It's just so far-fetched and off the wall that, you know, you fall into it real quick because it's like, what the fuck am I watching? Right. You, Anthony, you were going to say? That's, that's a very underrated film I think was released ahead of its time. And then it went out of print and you couldn't get it forever. That was a very hard movie to get. Up until that Blu-ray release with that cool artwork of, like, the, the fleshy artwork. Yeah. Um, up until yep. then, that, there was, like, an Anchor Bay release of it, I think, possibly. And then on DVD, and then, that was it. That was a wrap on that. But, yeah, I agree. That's good. Brian Hughes also produced. I think he produced Reanimator. Yeah, he did, yeah. He yes. Took, he took over 
I want to say he took over some directorial duties on the Reanimator franchise after Stuart Gordon. Yeah, second and third films he directed yeah. as well. Now back to Return of the Living Dead Part 2. Hell yeah. The film commits another one of my filmmaking sins. Uh-oh. Bringing back actors who got killed off in the first film. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's that like, was one of its major problems. I think that was done to show you that it's not taking itself seriously. They just I came know, back but, from the dead. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know, but still, new characters, but they died in the first film. And you don't Time love them. Oh, you don't love those characters? I um, like them as actors and yeah. together, but... I like those characters, I, too, yeah. Not two movies back-to-back back when they were killed off in the first one. I enjoy it. And they go back to doing the same stick as the first one. Hell yeah. Seriously. I think, I actually think the two of them in the second movie were even more dumb than they were in the first one. Yeah. Ugh, this film had also had no scares. The dialogue's very cheesy. Characters are making dumb decisions. That's every horror movie, though. The film feels more like a comedy than a horror film. I'll give you that, which I think they were going for, you know. And then you got the you got the yeah. you got the Michael Jackson thriller zombie. I mean, how can that? That's that's great. That's beautiful. Favorite scene in that film: a severed hand giving the finger after getting thrown out of a car. Hell yeah. And the doctor in that film looked like he came from the 1950s. <laughs> it was a better time. <laughs> this film has everything in a guilty pleasure film. I agree. I watched that movie at a time in my life when I was around that age. So I remember just picturing myself in the situation that the kid had to go through and I was like bugging out like I that would have been that would have been that would have been quite a ride it was good though it had you know this it had this, the the bully kid the kid that bulled, bullied him was a zombie too you know and I always when when they're not afraid to kill a kid or make a kid a zombie or whatever um in a movie that takes a little bit of balls I give them credit for it you know what I mean and uh, I think it makes it cre- it gives it the creepier that creepier aspect because then it's kind of like the the sickness or the disease rather knows no bounds where it even even the kids you know are becoming zombies and shit. It's just the circle of vicious life at this point in the game for them. Um, but I I like part two a lot. Mel does too. Part three and part four. Melissa? Yes? Um, I think... Well, Anthony, did you have something? Another one I like... And never mind. Okay. Oh, no, go ahead, Anthony. If you want to see serious Return of the Living Dead films, watch one and three. If you want to watch Guilty Pleasure Return of the Living Dead films, watch part two, four, and five, since I've never seen four and five, because it's... That bad. Don't watch. Well, you can't tell us to watch them if you've never seen them. <laughs> well, 
The filmmakers <laughs> turned it down. If you don't want to watch it, why do we? But if you don't want to watch it, why would we want to? <laughs> Right. The filmmaker sells the right, tries to sell the rights to those films. Yeah, just one of them. That's enough. Don't this watch. is kind of unheard in Hollywood. It is a little unheard of. I know it, it could be questionable practices too. I don't know if it's actually on the up and up. Somebody could just think that somebody will believe it and be like, "It's been up there forever, though." So somebody probably checked in. Um. If they ever put up Return of the Living Dead Part 2 up there to buy for reasonable money, I'll buy it. I don't it. Fuck yeah. You got, you need, if you're going to put together a box set, you need to own, you need to own all of them. Have to have them all, yep. You know, I, I just, if, if it was more of a realistic price, you know, well, it's a realistic price now, but like a realistic price of what I wanted to spend, I'd, I'd possibly buy the rights to something like that. I think if I could afford it, hell yeah, I'd do it. And it wasn't like hurting in a bad way after. Um, I'd definitely pick up like foreign rights or something like that to a film because at the end of the day, like, yeah, if somebody does want to put out an ultimate edition one day of fucking all the Return of the Living Dead movies and it's in the territory that you own it for, like, yeah, they gotta come to you and pay you what you want to be paid to, to, to license the film to do the box set. So, like, you are kind of becoming entwined in the history, in the legacy of Return of the Living Dead by owning, you know, you're owning, I believe it's like a cut, like, all, like, you own the rights to, to the foreign distribution, which is, like, you can go sell it in France, and whatever the money makes, you get a cut from it. You know what I mean? Whatever it's getting over there. But uh, back to reality, I guess. Here, um, Melissa, are you next? This is like Russian. Yeah, um, I actually I like this movie. It came out in '97, The Relic. Oh yeah, that's good to, with Tom oh, Sizemore, yeah. right? That seems to be forgotten. Yeah, that movie sits with me. Yeah, that draws up another guilty pleasure movie, uh, Mimic, the Guillermo del Toro movie. Yes, Mimic was good too. Now, del Toro hates Mimic because he was he says that his vision was all fucked up, and you know to to bring. I know Anthony Thurber doesn't want to talk about uh, Weinstein, but you know Weinstein in in. Del Toro had big beef on the making of Mimic. Um, it was his first big Hollywood, big American film. Uh, and I guess Weinstein had his hand in it all dirty and was fucking it up. So to the point where he doesn't, Del Toro doesn't even like the cut of the movie that you, you, you can purchase. Like he, like, you know, the, he doesn't support it. He, it's one of those things, like I think he wanted his name off of it and stuff, but like... Yeah, he's very unhappy with the way it turned out, and it was because uh, Weinstein uh, had his hand in it. Because no he was notorious for having in his hands in places they shouldn't be, uh, in the editing room and in his Yeah, office. that's why he's in prison now. And in his office. Yeah. You stepped on my joke. Come on, kids. I was aiming <laughs> for it. I was going for yeah, it. Yeah, I would have to say Mimic is probably his weakest film. Yeah, but it's it's a fun. I got I bought the Blu-ray, which he doesn't condone, but I bought the Blu-ray and watched it, and uh, it look it's beautiful. I mean, it's got the feel of his film, and it's one of those things like we'll never see what could have been, 
So like it's I, it's it's one of those things where you can kind of appreciate it, whereas in his head he's seen what it should have been. So like he he's definitely not happy with what's released. You know what I mean? But I don't it's, mind. It, I don't mind it's like, the film. Yeah. It's like we'll never see another Hellboy film from Del, Del Toro. Yeah, that's very sad because I love the Hellboy is one of those. You know, I'm not a big comic book fan. I'm probably realistically not even like it enough to be a fan. I have some things, but um, the only reason I, I watched Hellboy was because Del Toro directed it. The same reason why the only reason why I watched those Spider-Man movies is because Sam Raimi directed them, and. Um, Probably the only reason why I watched Doctor Strange too is because Sam Raimi's directing it. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I don't even know where I was going with that. Sam Raimi is directing Doctor Strange too, though. Where was I going with that, gentleman? Gentlewoman over there. You were talking about the Toro. The what? You were talking about. Del Toro, oh, Del Toro, and him not wanting his name on the film. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got good memory over there. Yeah, Del Toro, he wasn't happy with Mimic. So, um, yeah, he gave me bad info. Now there's no way to go with that. <laughs> Mel, are you there? I'm here. Are you, up, are you still upset that I said gentleman instead of gentlewoman? Uh, I wasn't even paying attention. I, I just ignore you because uh, everybody always wants to say I'm one of the boys anyway. So whatever, it is what it is. <laughs> well, that's, there you go. Uh, but yeah, mimic and uh, relic. Relic was a good one. See, relic's one of the, it's a great story turned into a movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind. Yeah, of- that's truly an underrated film. We should do a double feature one of these days. I'm going to buy a theater and just do double features. And, uh, I'm down with that. I approve you, that message. You approve that, and then we'll do a relic and and uh, mimic double feature. But That'll make the boombastic Halloween feature. We'll bring Del Toro back to talk about what he what he doesn't like about the film. How cool would that be? That'd be dope. So ne- who's up next? Me. Yeah. All right, me. I have. Um, I put a, a newer film in here called Meg, the the shark movie. Because the Meg with uh, Jason Statham? With Jason Statham. Okay. And um, Rain Wilson. Uh, Meg, I, uh, I'm a big sucker for big shark movies. I like the cre- weird creature movies and big creature movies the same way that I have, uh, like, I'm a sucker for big natural disaster movies. I like that whenever they make one, I always see it. Um, it's the same, you know, same thing with when Meg. I heard about Meg. Originally, Eli Roth was supposed to direct Meg, if anybody remembers that that far back. Uh, and I'm sure it would have been a different movie. It would have been less commercial, even though he did that House of Clocks movie. I feel like his Meg would have been... A little more hardcore, but it had some cool moments. And have you two, either of you two, seen Meg? Nope. I've seen. I've seen that. That wasn't. It wasn't that bad of a flick. It could have been worse. Yeah, even if it was worse, I'd probably like it though because those. Yeah. Something about those big. I wish you could have. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the creatures needed to be seen more. Um, I like when the creature features actually, you know, show the creature. Yeah. Going back to Harvey Weinstein, the creature feature. Yeah, right. He's a creature feature. Um, yeah. But I like, in, in those natural disaster movies, like, uh, fucking, they've been doing them recently, like, when they did those really, recently when they did those really bad, like, point of view type, uh, where, like, it's all, to your, your point, you're like, it's, it's first person and it's like, you're almost like a video game type deal. Like, Into the Storm, where it's almost like... Uh, in 3D, I get down with, like, 3D. If you can do 3D um, natural disaster movie, you got me sold all day long. Those are guilty pleasures. So I'll lump them both in there of big creature films and natural disaster movies that you're horrified that you're going to die in. Now, real quickly, uh, from both of you... What natural disaster scares you the most that you would least likely want to deal with? Anthony, we'll start earthquake. with Earthquake. Oh, Melissa, we'll start with you. Earthquake? Yeah, sorry, that just came out real quick. <laughs> well, you're very passionate about it, so that's good. Anthony, what about Same. you? Earthquake, huh? Yeah. I'd have to go with a big tsunami. Big tidal wave for me. Earthquake is could be scary, but once it's over, it, it only only happens for a little bit. I mean, if it cracks open something underneath you that doesn't want, it shouldn't have been cracked open. Uh, that could be a problem, I'm sure. But for the mo, but I, I, the scary thing about the, the tsunamis, the tidal wave is the drowning. The, the drowning, but well, I hear you're dead. You don't get a chance to drown because you you kind of die when it hits you, and all the stuff is yeah. flowing with it. But just the image, like just the image of a gigantic wave, you know, in the movie. Coming at you. Yeah, in the movie, like a deep, deep impact where you see that like fucking mile high wave just cruising towards you. And there's like no fucking way that that thing's slowing down or dying down before it gets to you. And there ain't no way, you know, you're going to stop it or you're going to survive under that water when it hits you. Um I think that's like the most terrifying. It's like a slow death coming towards you. You know, earthquakes could be bad news, but I think if I had to face anything down, I think a tidal wave would be like the scariest to see approaching. You know what I mean? But earthquake, uh, did either of you enjoy the wrestler earthquake from the WWF back in the day? Oh, yeah. I remember that. Maybe that makes you have a biased opinion. Um, yeah. I'm with it. I'm with it now. So, um, next up would be Anthony? Okay, let's go back to Italian horror films. Okay. And one of the greatest Italian horror film directors... Lucio Fulci. Hell yeah. In his film Zombie 3. Now before you say, where's Zombie 2? Well, I know where it is. A little brief history. Yeah. Zombie is George Romero's Dawn of the Dead. Zombie 
is actually Zombie 2 yeah. that Fauci directed. And Zombie 3 is a guilty pleasure film. You know and that, not one of Fauci's greatest films. Did he direct that one? He directed like maybe half of it. I wonder if they There's a lot of stories on that. Yeah. Rumors over the years. He got sick during production. They had to leave the production. I think, yeah. Another one was he quit. I think he realized the production he was making and got sick and said, I gotta leave. I gotta get out of here. <laughs> That's what I think. I think happened. it was shot in the Philippines. Yeah. So that did not help. Fulci is one of those weird directors that has, like, he has a definitive style. Like, you can watch a movie and you can, you know, if it's his, you can tell it's his. And if someone else uses his style, you can tell that they're copying Fulci. And, um, yeah, like, Zombie, his Zombie is, like, phenomenal. The Beyond is, like, an incredible movie. He's got, you know... He's definitely worth his weight uh, in, in in reputation. They kind of compare him to Argento a little bit in the fact that they're both Italian and doing like that slasher genre type thing, the the giallo. And um, I don't know. With the, I, I I I don't know. It, it's it's debatable which one's better. Uh, even though like um, Argento is more of like a higher class feel, you know, of a the Italian Hitchcock type deal. Um, but the full uh, the Argento movies, like I like them, and I go back and watch them, and you know, once you know what's going to happen and all that, you just kind of spend the movies waiting for the mo- like the, the the you know the good like the good moments in the film, um, and uh, the Fulci movie, I don't know, they're kind of more of a Fulci's movies are more of a, I don't know, I, I it can be shocking. Yeah, it's shocking, but they're, um, I don't know, I guess, you know, they'll be able to be debatable throughout time who's act, who actually made, like, the better films, you know what I mean? Who is a better filmmaker? Because I think sometimes you'll see people giving Argento more of the crown uh, in, in, in that comparison where, I don't know, it's possible that uh, Fulci uh, should wear the crown half the time as well. But uh, I agree with you that that that, that, that they, there was one I remember they, they did like four or five, maybe even six sequels. I have a couple of them on tape. I remember one was called The Black Birds at one point. And I know by that point... Killing Birds, I think it was... I maybe think. something like that, yeah. But by that point, I know he definitely wasn't directing them. It was just something they were kind of piggybacking off the fame of the first one with to kind of, you know... Yes. It was one of those things. Um but As yeah, I believe, I think Zombie Three was his last zombie film in that series. Yeah. Now that film tried to be like Return of the Living Dead. Okay. It but did. it fails miserably. Interesting. No coherent story. There's like zombies that spend too much time fighting than biting. Yeah. <laughs> the revolver. Way too many scenes with the general and the scientist, which yeah. felt like padding. I think there's also killer zombie birds. 
flying zombie head out of a fridge. And the zombie using a machete. Uh, there's big Romero. I he, since he, I bet that he he probably did a lot of throwback Romero things, um, like the machete with the zombie big. big. Um, well, she said some other things in there that were the kind of I could think of, you know, Romero having them in his movie. Um, but I think that's what it was because if if that's how it if that's how it sparked was to like be a sequel like for I don't know if. I don't know the story of Fulci was setting out to make a sequel or if it was just something that was called a sequel for marketing, you know, to make bring in a bigger audience. Um, but uh, I, I think it was more to piggyback on Zombie 2. Well, yeah, definitely like the piggyback off of well, the Dawn of the Dead thing. It all comes back from piggybacking off of Dawn of the Dead. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, the original zombie. So, like, what happened is whoever produced... What realistically what probably happened uh, is the producers that put up the money for the Fulci movie, who owned the movie because they're putting up the money, they had a big success with, with Fulci's zombie. So from that point, they said, you know what? The, these other zombie movies, Dawn of the Dead, you know... They have franchises as well. We're going to make a franchise too with our zombie title, and then they just kind of made movies and put zombie over it. Um, but I don't think full. I don't. Yeah, I mean, he could have been a part of that third one for uh, for a little bit. But I, he is very possible because the more I think about it, I have the tape somewhere, and the more I think about it, I think you might be right about. On him having something to do with the third one's creation, but um, definitely gone after that one. And I remember they went drastically downhill. But um, but those for like like zombie, his zombie, Fulci's zombie, and the Beyond are um, su- superb horror films for anybody who's never seen them. And you know, check out his whole catalog because he's got some other films in there that are cool too. He's got this like a western called Four of the Apocalypse, which is. A good watch. I enjoy. House by the Cemetery is another really good one. House by the Cemetery is good one. City of the Living Dead's good. A lot of good stuff. He keeps it going. He keeps it smooth with the jazz on I-97. Um, but yeah, Fulci's always a good a good deal. There's something about his, his camera work that I just like a lot. Um... It's like rough, but it's rough, but has its own like, like vibe. It has its own like uh, style to it, you know. Like the, the the rough style doesn't go doesn't go unnoticed in the sense of uh, it actually it like it adds effect to what you're watching. But um, going back to reality again, um, what are we on, um, Melissa? Is it your turn? It is. Um, my next is uh, Night of the Demons, the '88 version. Ooh, see, I Ooh. that that is one that's underrated. Um, I love it. I'm a big fan of it. It sounds like Anthony, you a fan? Yeah, major fan of it. Yeah, I'm a gigantic fan myself. Uh, we had Christopher McGibbon on the show, who's also a fan, big fan. We're both a part of the Night of the Demons documentary coming out soon. Yeah, fuck yeah. 
Um, I, I'd say I've never seen the remake, but if I seen the remake, I'd almost say maybe that would be it. But I haven't heard too many good things about it. Um, yeah, the remake is is absolutely atrocious. But the original is awesome. Love it. Great music. Great story. The acting's great. The gore effects and everything's great. It's got all you would want, all you could ever want for a nice little horror movie. Um, yeah. So next up would be Moir, I guess. Yes, sir. I did a short. I did a short list, so I got to turn my head to see what we got floating around that I can say on. Uh, uh, we can say the Carpenter for anybody that remembers the Carpenter from the '90s. It was a horror movie. I can't. I'm not gonna jump up and grab it, but um, the dude, the, it's like a, it's it's a carpenter who's a, like a serial killer type thing. It's crazy. It's fun. It's one of those things. It's one of them things, you yeah. know. Um, but that's guilty pleasure, I'd say, because it's kind of a terrible movie. But like the fact that they made it was is the comedy. It's the pure gold. It's the fact that they attempted it. Um, do you guys want to continue going with it or? What are you thinking? How are you feeling? We're we're already in for we're an hour and sixteen in on this one. We usually round out about an hour and a half a show. We can so do one more film. We could do we'll do one more go around and uh and then we'll uh we'll wrap it on up. Alright, Anthony, you go first. What's your next up? My next one is Lady Terminator. Ooh, I got that. I've watched a little bit of it, and I never finished it. Um, but do tell. Do tell. That is a crazy film. Yeah. This film cannot decide what it wants to be, a horror film or an action film. You have this whole thing with this legend of the South Sea, which you think of Terminator, you don't think of any legends about queens of the south sea yeah and it has this person who goes overboard onto a bed not in the water but onto a bed yeah and gets possessed becoming this lady terminator who pretty much goes crazy trying to kill an ancestor to exact revenge from the past. This the violence in this film is over the top. Dialogue is very cheesy. Plus the character feels like she has an endless supply of bullets. And of course with the whole eel component that she also has. Yeah. She kills people while having sex. Woo! She's literally She's a metaphor for AIDS at the time. That's how it's, it works. I believe, a Malaysian film. So oh. it's very crazy. Them Malaysians had AIDS real bad. I would have never beautiful. discovered this film if it wasn't for a video review of this film. Now it's in my film library. Hey. And a guilty pleasure. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I gotta check it out fully. That sounds like a, a joyride. Yeah. 
To say the very least, good sir. All right, Mad Mel. Next one I have on my list right now is Robert Rodriguez's um, Grindhouse movies, Planet Terror and Death Proof, because they're kind of like a combo. Oh, I love that film as a combo. That is a good Um, Alone, each movie standing alone, they're okay. I prefer Planet Terror to um, Death Proof, but together, back-to-back, I love the Grindhouse feel. I love that great look to them. So, you know, these those two are both a favorite of mine, and you can't go wrong with the cast. Um, phenomenal cast in both movies. You know, great acting. Everybody seems to like really, you know, offset one another in each in each of the two stories. So, yeah, that's a definite guilty pleasure movie of mine. Yeah. Now, I remember seeing this twice in the theaters. That's how much I loved this film. I agree. I've I seen this multiple times myself in the theaters. You know. And I also have to say, Death Proof is Tarantino's most underrated film. See, there's a good argument right there. Because for a while, for, for many years, I've seen it and I said, you know, it was one of his... I, I consider it his second worst film next to Inglorious Bastards, which I don't like. I think is his worst film. And um, then I rewatched it, Death Proof, again, and I, I really enjoyed it. This, you know, second time around. I think, I think what killed it is the fact that you want, when you watch that double feature, you know, Planet Terror is like a, a bet more happening. So you know, kind of a better film, not to compare it, but there's like more, more to keep you going, so to speak. And um, so I think that the, the movie being so different than Planet Terror kind of made it look like it was slower and a little duller than uh, than it really was because you're it was going up against this other movie that was lar- larger than life, kind of, you know what I mean? And like, it's kind of like putting a... And I love... Yeah. I was going to say, too, like, I love how with with it as, like, the combo with, you know, both pictures being shown, I love how they threw in the big trailers in between the films to make it look like, you know, there were other dope-ass movies that were going to be coming out, and, like, Machete was such a popular trailer within those two movies that they actually ended up making Machete into a feature film. So, you know, it kind of was a like a stepping stone for you know a lot of other things other projects to come about yeah when the when the when the grindhouse double feature first started doing rounds it it played the trailer for hobo with a shotgun which got the got them the money to be able to make it into the feature with rutger hauer that you know everybody i think everybody here has probably seen right and enjoyed yes yeah yeah so that was cool but yeah that was a you know Tarantino and Rodriguez are some, you know, they come from the, that that the last real big independent era of filmmaking, where, which was in the '90s when you know the last, you know, that was kind of like the last bunch of filmmakers that made it that can that do it like that's their living, you know, that they 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 they're like the the cutoff. I think that was like the cutoff for indie filmmakers at a big place to really make that 
make it, you know, you had Tarantino, Rodriguez, Kevin Smith is in the mix, Link Ladder, um, you know what I mean, Spike Lee, um, you know, like in the, the, in the, yeah, I think that those two, they were so fresh and like new, like nobody was doing it. That's one thing I'll say for Tar- Tarantino catches a lot of hate. I like Tarantino. I'm a big Tarantino fan. He catches, but he catches a lot of hate. Doesn't need to, but I think he's one of the only dudes that's actually bringing almost like a showing respect to like the type of cinema that he came up with, like with doing the big seventy you know, millimeter prints of, you know, like Hateful Eight and stuff and the road shows, like he's trying to bring marketing wise and such, he's trying to bring that old theater feel back, which you got to have respect to him for. And that's what, you know, Grindhouse might be his biggest example of doing that with Rodriguez where no, but who was doing that? Nobody was doing that. And realistically, who else had the power to do something like that at the time? than those two dudes. Those two dudes were on top of their game. Like, Tarantino's been on top of his world since he entered it, uh, you know what I mean, with 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 power and stuff since his success happened. You know, and the same thing with Rodriguez, I feel. And Rodriguez is, you know, financially he's probably, you know, studios, you know, he, he, he makes... He has his own studio, a lot of it's to the green screen and stuff, so he can... And he's like a whiz with that stuff, so like... You know, he can make movies dirt cheap. So, like, when he can make them cheap, you know, the, you know, they want something they can make cheap and make more money off of, you know. So, like, the, yeah, I haven't seen Rodriguez release anything recently, but I'm sure he's still, he did that, like, uh, that Battle Angel movie was him, I think. But, um, yeah, I mean, that the, the double feature, A-OK. Uh, guilty Pleasure. Hey, if people are ashamed to say they like it, then it's a guilty pleasure. Exactly. You know? That's me with the Twilight movies. I've never watched a single one. I haven't watched Harry Potter either. I don't know if Same I... I just watched those. Yeah. What, what are you trying to say? That it's better to watch Twilight than Harry Potter? I I just watched the Twilight... The, I just watched the Harry Potter movies with my client at work. Yeah. And... I like them. They're just too long. I know Alex Hawk is a big uh, Harry Potter fan, if I remember correctly. I don't really get into those big um, franchise movies. Like, I never watched any of the Hunger Games movies either. Lord of the Rings, I've never really sat down and fully watched one from beginning to end. But I love Peter Jackson, I haven't. Too. I haven't seen all of the Lord of the Rings movies. I saw all the Hobbit ones. Uh, I didn't see... I, uh, I, don't, I think I only even seen... Out of the three Hobbit movies they made, I think I seen a little bit of one of them, and that's that was a wrap after that. <laughs> that and it's not that, that I don't like them; I just don't really get into them. <laughs> yeah, they're, just, they're too long. I mean, they're beautifully done movies. It's a fantastic story. I love the books better, anyways. Yeah. But I, I just, I after like the two hour mark, I start losing my attention span. Well, then we better end this this podcast episode pretty soon. Because we're approaching that time. But hey, um, what was I, last? All right, I'll do one real quick. I'll take a peek. 
And um, Blood Diner. I'll say Blood Diner is a guilty pleasure. It's another one of those movies that people don't know about that much, but should. And it's a very, it's a very, it's like it's. If you don't like horror comedy, you ain't gonna like it because it's another movie that does not take itself serious uh, at all. Um, I, I remember at one point uh, somebody refers to their penis as their schlong, but it's like in like 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 uh, not as a joke. Like it, like they thought that that was you know the real way to talk. I guess it's fun. <laughs> it's very fun. It's um. And it's it just doesn't take itself too seriously, and I really like those those types of you know movies, especially for a guilty pleasure category. The ones that don't take themselves seriously are always, you know, once you can once they put down their guard and their weapons and they say, "Hey, we're just here to have some fun, kid," and then everything's safe from that point on. You know, it's very good. So I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Mr. Anthony Thurber for being on our show. Again, you know, we really appreciate it. It was a pleasure having you on last time, and this time it was great. Uh, yeah, you... it's been a really fun time. And we hope to have you back. This was really cool. I did, we, got, we, we created a new game that was like a Russian roulette system where we just fire back and go around and around and around, uh, and uh, everybody kind of spit off their guilty pleasure film. And go at it. It was nice. It was nice. But yeah, we'll definitely have you on again. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. We, oh yeah, I forgot about the swearing I'm all thing. about it. <laughs> uh, well, I shouldn't be a bad influence. I shouldn't be a bad influence on you with the cursing. Uh, my oh, don't worry. I, I curse all the time. I know. But I'm so we, we don't want to tell anybody. We're keeping. The, we're trying to keep your image clean for the kids. <laughs> Those kids are a big market. We got you got the kids who start getting the toy, toy, toy uh, commercials on your show. That's when, that's when the real money flows in. You know? So, again, sir, I thank you very much, Mel. Would you like to say anything in clothing? Closing <laughs> in clothing. <laughs> In clo- I'm, I, I would hope I'm saying it in clothing, but yes. I, might, I don't want to scare our, you know, listeners away. Oh, my goodness. Um, <laughs> but, no, nah, I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, we're getting back on track and, you know, slow but sure, things are, you know, yeah. starting to go back to, you know, our normal programming schedule, I guess you could say. Yeah. <laughs> It's a fun show. But, People like it. Yeah, it's a fun we show. Everybody big. likes, you know, what they see in here or whatever, depending on, you know, the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and keep staying safe out there. Stay tuned in. Check out our friend Anthony. You, you know, you can find him on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I'm sure. And, you know, keep doing what you love and Something good will come out of it. Keep on rocking in the free world, a- Anthony. Do you want to? <laughs> do you want to plug? Keep wanna, on rocking in the free world. We'll have to start a band now. <laughs> right. We'll put together a theme no song. Thanks. We can do an official theme song. Do you want to? Do you want to mention any other places they can find you other than what she did? You can find me on social media 
on Facebook, Instagram, and the Slasher app, Anthony T's Horror Show, and Twitter at Anthony T's Horror. And go check it out. You won't you won't be uh, disappointed. You'll catch a couple episodes of me on there. Fun times. Find me lurking. Yeah, yeah, yeah you, you'll definitely be back on soon on my podcast. Woo! Digging it. We'll have Mad Mel. We'll have Mad Mel on. We'll mash it up. Mash it up like potatoes. Well, and that that uh, that ends another glorious episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. We'll uh, thank you again for coming on the show, Anthony. And we'll... No problem. My pleasure. Hey, that's what we like to hear. Mel, be good. Do you want to say goodbye to the people? You be good, too. You be good. All right, folks. We're going to catch you on the next episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie. Later. <laughs>